John Lloyd Stevens was exhausted. It was April, 1852, and he was in his second year as president of one of the most brazen undertakings of the age. Construction of a railroad across the narrow, vicious, almost impenetrable Isthmus of Panama. It had been the dream of explorers and traders for centuries to find or build a link connecting the world's two great oceans. Canal propositions had come and gone. They cost too much. The technology was not yet there. But now the timing seemed right. By mid-century, pressure to slice through the Western Hemisphere somewhere in Central America, if not by canal, then by rail, had reached a breaking point. There was a stampede for gold in the California Sierras. It was the era of steamships, railroads, and the telegraph, an age compressing time and space. Technologically, almost anything seemed possible. Early in April, weakened by overwork, his liver ravaged by chronic bouts of malaria, Stevens could no longer continue. His iron road was already years behind schedule. Unlike his well-heeled business partners living comfortably in New York, Stevens had spent most of the previous three years in Panama. Though not physically imposing, he possessed a steely constitution that had fought off every corporeal abuse imaginable during travels across the most disease-ridden regions of the planet. And he was intimately familiar with the treachery of Central America's mountains and jungles. But the rainforest of Panama was different. It was dark and sadistic, more opaque and unforgiving than anything he had known. From the beginning, almost everything had gone wrong. Instead of starting the railroad from the center of the isthmus, as first planned, where the ground was higher, drier, and more favorable, they were forced to start from an island in the mangrove swamps of the Caribbean coast. From there, they had to hack their way, inch by inch, through the jungle toward the Pacific. The men waded up to their chests through waters infested with crocodiles and poisonous snakes. Where the swamps ended, the quicksand and mud began. The swarms of disease-laden mosquitoes were so thick they darkened the sky, and the volume of rain that fell, broken only by intervals of unbearable sun, seemed beyond human comprehension. Sometimes it seemed like only sickness and death. Malaria and other tropical diseases lumped together under the dreaded catch-all known as Chagras Fever took a devastating toll. At times, it was impossible to keep the workforce up. There had been more than one mutiny. Entire work crews perished or the men became so sick they could no longer carry on, their health damaged for the remainder of their lives. Some went mad. Others ran off to the gold fields in California or paid for passage home at their own expense just to get out. Later, in mid-1852, cholera, would again sweep the isthmus, and within weeks leave hundreds of new dead in its wake. The iron track stretched twenty miles through filled-in swamps, and on good days, it seemed like the whole crazy idea might work. But only a few months before, the money began to run out. More and more, Stevens felt he was carrying the whole enterprise on his back. In letters to friends, he had predicted that by 1852 the railroad would have breached the Continental Divide and would be closing in on Panama City and the Pacific Ocean. The entire distance, after all, was less than 50 miles. 
Then, gradually, he stopped making any more predictions. Three years of hardship and labor, sickness and death, and they had not yet crossed halfway. The Chagras River, the most formidable obstacle, a river that in the rainy season raged like the wrath of God, remained to be crossed, and the summit dividing the Atlantic and Pacific watersheds still loomed miles away. Stevens rarely complained, but he started hinting darkly that he hoped to live long enough to see the hemisphere's first transcontinental train run sea to sea. At the age of 46, his body was breaking down. He had crossed and recrossed the isthmus so many times he had lost count. The rainy season would soon be upon them, and the work would slow to a crawl. It was time to go home. There is no record of the exact state of his health when he boarded the steamer for New York. But not long before he left, he wrote his father a confession.